Hey, we're talking about identity in Christ. Thank you for the emails and texts that I've received on how impactful this is to you. Um, received uh, an excellent email, uh, actually one man's testimony, and uh, we're actually going to be able to video that and show that to you, uh, just how he has worked through identity in his life and still kind of struggles and all that kind of stuff like we all do. And uh, this is a really huge issue for us. Uh, identity is your sense of self. Uh, it's your sense of self-worth. Uh, identity is what uh, defines you. There are lots of roles that we play in life. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Uh, I'm a pastor. Um, on Tuesday nights for the next 18 weeks, I'm a, I'm a teacher in Westchester as I teach some preachers, through, take some preachers through three classes and I'm an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene uh, for a week in the summertime over here as we run our basketball camp. I'm a basketball coach again. There's lots of different hats, lots of different roles that we all play in life. But what is consistent through all of those? As I'm over here as a basketball coach, the things I uh, focus on and think about as a husband are not those same things. But what is consistent through all of those roles? And as we talked about last week, the, con the consistency has to be that I'm a Christian, that God says that by faith I am his child. And think of it this way. Um, if you have a deck of cards here, there's lots of cards in, in this deck. There's 52 cards in the deck, and that's well and good. But uh, as you deal these cards, the cards on the top, obviously, as you deal them, would be the most important one. So as you play lots of different roles in your life and have lots of different hats on, uh, that's okay, but what's at the top of your deck? There's, 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 you know, down here, we're not going to argue about what's number six, what's number eight, and number eight should be number six. I couldn't care less about all of that, okay? Um, what's at the top of your deck? What is, what is at the very, very top of your deck? And whatever is at the top of your deck is your identity. It's where you get your sense of self from. It's where you get your self-worth from from. It's where you get your validation from. And the problem comes obviously as Christians when somehow Christian, our Christian card, our, our card that says we are a child of God gets down here somewhere and other things get above that and then our Christian life will totally go askew. And as I told you last week, and this might be a brand new thought for you, but if, if my Christian card can stay at the top of the deck... I think I can live a sinless life because I think all sin flows from a lack of identity at that moment. Identity determines behavior. Identity determines behavior. And if I can keep my identity in Christ, we, we said last week that every lie we've ever told was be probably because at that moment our identity was in that person that we're telling our, that lie to, to to make ourselves look better in front of that person instead of our identity being Christ. So at that moment, the, the, the Christian card got put down somewhere. The key to our Christian life and the difficult part about a Christian life is how is it that we keep that Christian card at the very top of the deck? I, our identity is what defines us. And there's lots of things that define us. People can define us. When we were kids, the crowd we hang around with, you know, I don't know about you, but at Lafayette High School, there was three main hallways. 
and a, a, a certain group of people hung out in the first hallway and a certain group of people hang out in the third hallway and another group of people hang out in the last hallway. And, and it was determined by what hallway you're in was how cool you were. You all had something like that. People many times can tell us, can, can determine what defines us in life. Um, uh, in, the, in this day and age of, of social media, uh, the number of, of followers you have on social media, the number of likes you have on a post. If, if somebody takes a, a selfie and let's say it's some female and they're all dutied up and done all that and they take a selfie and no one comments about it, it doesn't go, you go girl, look how hot you are. <laughs> and nobody does that. Maybe our sense of worth could go down because our sense of worth is in somewhere other than where it should be. A lot of things can define us in life. Our, our past failures or accomplishments can define us in life. I had one year out of my 14 years as a basketball coach, one, one year we were horribly losing basketball team. It was a horrible year for us. And, and that year, I'm telling you, friends, and this is, I'm not, I'm just being honest with you. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just just being honest, I had a big L tattooed right here, and everywhere I went, I had this L, and I didn't want to go see people because I had this L, and, and, and I was a high school coach, and so I, I didn't want to walk in the hallways and hang out in the hallways because I had this L, so I would just stay in my office till like 30 seconds before the bell ring to end the class, and I would just walk and get there real quickly because so, I had this L, and I didn't want to see people because this L, this basketball coach was part of me, was at the top of the deck. And then I think most of you know they've been here long enough know that in my pre-Christian life I had a divorce. And so there came a time in my life that not only did, and that happened, all that happened in the same year. And not only did I have an L, I had a DL. No one in my family had ever been divorced before. My, I, the way I saw myself was totally determined at that point by those, those two things. So circumstances, career accomplishments, you know, some of you remember the song uh, Bruce Springsteen sung about glory days. You know, you were the quarterback of the team back in the 70s and you won the league and went to the state and all that's well and good unless you still live there. What defines us can be what defines us can be sometime in our possessions. Did you know what I found out since I have two teenage boys? It's much cooler to have an iPhone than an Android. Did you know that? Now my $59 Android does everything I want it to do. But it's not very cool. And sometimes status can be determined by your possessions. Can I tell something on Jason McCauley, our Riverside pastor? He's got a Jeep. And we go to lunch together on Mondays. And so we were, he was driving one day. And so here he was driving where we were going. And here comes another Jeep coming this way. And here he was, and he goes. And I said, what did you do? He said, oh, man, it's a Jeep thing. I just, brought a, I just bought a truck, and, and, and some people are saying, ooh, you got a truck. 
Puts me in a different class of people, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what defines us can be a lot of things. We've talked about, and you know this, uh, males and females can, can be defined by their appearance, but many times, especially females, can be defined by their appearance. What defines you? That's your identity. And that's what we've been talking about and we will continue to talk about. There's nothing wrong with, with possessions and careers and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with it unless it's at the top of the deck. So the question for you and me is, how do we get our Christian life, the fact that I'm a Christian, the fact that I am a child of God, the fact that I've been adopted into his family, the fact that I'm a new creation, the fact that I'm forgiven, the fact that I am free from condemnation, the fact that he says I'm the salt and light of the, of the world, the fact that he says I am complete in him, all of those things that he says about us, how can I get that at the top of the deck? Well, the, the key to that is, is, is the key to everything in the Christian life. And the key that locks everything, unlocks everything in the Christian life is belief and faith. Everything in the Christian life is driven by belief, is driven by faith. The gasoline that powers the Christian car is the gasoline of belief and the gasoline of faith. So, this is a Christian issue, getting the right car to the top of the deck. So how is it I get my true identity, what is consistent about me, the fact that God calls me His son, His child, a new creation in Christ. How can I get that to the top of the deck? My Christian identity, that has to be come to the top of the deck the same way that anything else happens in our Christian life and that's by belief and faith because nothing in our Christian life happens without belief and out without faith there's a there's a story of this in Matthew chapter 13 that that demonstrate this importance of of belief when <clears throat> when Jesus had finished telling these parables and if you're new to church parables is just a story that Jesus made up to make a point when he finished telling these parables he moved on coming to his hometown he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miracles and these miraculous powers, they ask? Isn't this the carpenter's son? So he's back in his hometown. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And the next verse said, they took offense at him because he was just, he's just a boy from Nazareth. Who, who does he think he is? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without, <clears throat> a prophet is not without honor except in his own town or in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. And he did not do many miracles there because of his lack, because of their lack of faith. It's all garnered by belief. Everything in the Christian life happens by faith, by trust, by 
belief. I, 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 could, I could stop right there if I wanted to and preach a message entitled it, The Power of Unbelief. Their unbelief stopped Jesus from doing everything that he wanted to do. Our unbelief can stop God from doing what God wants to do in our life because belief, faith, and trust is the engine is the gasoline, may I should say, that powers the engine. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. But that's what we want to do. We want to rationalize it. We want to lean on our own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. How, how do you get this car to the top? Uh, it's It's... it's the same way anything else happens. The only way stuff happens in our Christian life, it's by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's by leaning hard on Him. You know where I'm going now because every time I talk about leaning hard, I go to this wall over here, don't I? Everybody know what I'm doing? Those of you that have been in this church a long time, I, don't, I know no better, no better uh, illustration. Lean not on your own understanding. Instead, you're to lean and trust on God. And some people... Lean, and some people lean, and then there's some people that God really uses, and they lean. And God can really work through their life because they trust, they have faith. And one of these days, my rubber on my shoe is going to give out, and I'm going to make a fool out of myself. But see, that... If this wall gives out, then I make a fool out of myself. All my weight and trust is put on God, and if God don't come through for me, I'm a goner. How do you get the, the, how do you get the right card to the top of the deck? It's through faith and trust. All, this is all the way through the Bible. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, is a crucial, crucial passage in all of God's Word. The word of the Lord came to Abram. This is before Abraham, uh, before Abram became Abraham, before God changed his name. And the word of the Lord came to him and says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. Back in that time, your, your offspring... Um, was even more important than it is today because everything was done through the family and the family business and the family cattle and, and everything was done through the family. And Abraham didn't have a son to carry on the family name, just a servant that he was going to have to leave everything to. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And he remembers all the way back to, to Genesis chapter 12 when God first came to him and says, look up in the stars if you can count them all and your descendants will be as many as the stars in the heaven. And he repeats that to him right here. So the word of the Lord came back to him and said, this man shall not be your heir, but a son of your own flesh, even though you're beyond childbearing age and so is your wife, Sarah. Some from your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Verse five, he took him outside and said, look up again. I want to do the same thing I did to you three chapters ago. Look up in the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And here is 
could be argued the most important verse in all the Bible. All New Testament theology is based on Genesis 15.6. You take Genesis 15.6 out of the Bible, you cannot have the book of Romans. You cannot have the book of Galatians. You cannot have the book of Ephesians. Because it's on those books that speak heavily of a righteousness that comes by faith and by trust. And it's just not a New Testament concept. Because those writers, Paul goes back to Abraham and says, even, even Abraham was justified by faith. And it says, Abram believed the Lord. And God counted that. He credited that. He reckoned that, depending on your translation, as righteousness. It doesn't say Abraham believed in the Lord. 90% of the people in the world believe in the Lord. I told you last week, James 2.19 says, the devils believe in the Lord, and they tremble says Abram believed the Lord he took him at his word are you a believer and the, the real sense of that word unfortunately in the church of Jesus Christ and Nazarene denomination and all denominations we have too many unbelieving believers people that have grab, grabbed hold to the what the Bible calls the elementary things of the faith talking about Jesus and his death on the cross, as foundational as that is, the Bible calls it the elementary things of the faith, and they want us to go on from there. Are you a believer? We've talked about this before. You may be, be disobedient, but at the root of disobedience is unbelief. You, you can trace anything. The root of disobedience. So kids have sex before marriage. Well, that's disobedience. The root of that is they don't believe God's word. That's the root of that. They just didn't take God at his word. They weren't believers in that area. Someone who does not honor God with his tithe and their offerings they're not disobedient. Well, they are, but before then, they're not believers. They're not taking God at his word. If someone does something wrong to you and you take revenge on that, work, on that person, you, your sin on taking revenge is a function of disobedience because the Bible says in several places, leave, do not take revenge and leave room for God's vengeance. This, this whole Christian life, lock, stock, and barrel, comes down to belief. It's the engine. It's the gasoline that powers the engine of all of our Christian life. So when you come up with a passage like Philippians 4.13, and you've all heard this, and so you, you read this passage, and you're supposed to claim this promise, how does this promise work in your life? Only if you believe it. And trust that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Everything that God wants you to do, everything that God has called you to do. Well, I never could get up there like Pastor Mark and do that. Well, maybe you couldn't, but God hasn't asked you to do this. God hasn't called you to do this. Well, I never could go over to Papua New Guinea and, and you know, stay over there for three or four years as a missionary. Well, he can if he call, you can if he calls you to do that. You can do everything through Christ that he's called you to do. 
I can do all things on my own power? No, I can do all things through faith and trust and relying and leaning hard on Him. Now that, that verse, how does that verse work in your life? Only through belief. Only through faith. We live by faith. We don't live by sight. And the only way this verse can function in your life is by faith. And you becoming a believer. Taking God at His word. What if you got a... What if you have some self-worth issues and you don't think you can measure up to the rest of the crowd and not really sure God really cares about you? I remember meeting this one lady in Illinois and she flat out told me, she goes, I don't think God really cares about me. And she's a church-going person, but things were going wrong in her life. She goes, I don't think God really cares about me. I think he's forgotten me. Well, she's not a believer, at least in that area of her life. Because the Bible says in the book of Matthew, Jesus speaking here in the book of Matthew Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barn. Unless your heavenly Father feeds them, aren't you much more valuable than they? If he takes care of the birds of the air, how significant are you to him? If he, if he takes care of them, aren't you much more valuable than they are? And if I don't believe that and somehow think God has forgotten about me or doesn't care about me, that's, that's an issue of trust. That's an issue of belief. I'm not a believer in that area. And becoming a believer who believes revolutionizes your Christian life. A huge problem that we have in the church of Jesus Christ is unbelief. Probably not unbelief about Jesus' death on the cross and all that. It's just unbelief on the daily things in your Christian life because all of us want to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and be Lord of our own life and take care of things on our own. You've got some needs that, that are going unmet in your life. Do you believe Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, it says, My God will meet all of my needs. Are you a believer who believes? How do, and what we're talking about, how is it that you get your proper identity to the top of the deck? The only way you, anything happens in the Christian life is by belief. And the only way you're going to get your identity, your proper identity, the top of the deck, is to believe what God has said about you. Um... Do you know he calls you a, a, a new creation in Christ? I think we have that up there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He calls you a new creation in Christ. You know, I don't feel very new creation-y sometimes. Old things want to creep back in on me sometimes. But God says, in some way that I'll never be able to understand, when he looks at me, he sees me as a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Now, I can say, well, that's a cool little verse, and that's the verse we say in evangelism, and da-da-da-da-da-da. But are you a believer who believes? And, and the chance is, if you believe that, the chance is you'll behave that way. 
But see, identity determines behavior. Well, you know, you know, Mark, you got to call the ministry, and you know, but because of this call, and you're involved in people's life, you, you know, you can impact a lot of people's lives because of what you do. But I could never. I mean, I, I, I could never do that. And I'm just, I'm just, just plain on me. You know, I could never really impact. Well, you're not believing if that's the case, because Second Corinthians five twenty. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. This is one of my favorite identity verses here. As though God, listen, as though God was making his appeal through me and you. So when you go to work, you go to school, you go wherever you go, you go to your family Thanksgiving thing and two-thirds of them aren't Christians. You walk in and you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to pull out the four spiritual laws and pull out all these tracks. And that doesn't mean you're going to do that, but you are God's ambassador put in that room. You are God's ambassador put in your workplace, put in your family, put in your neighborhood. If you're a believer who believes. Do you feel forgiven? By the way, what does feeling have to do with it? I don't feel much like an ambassador. I don't feel very forgiven today. I don't feel very new creation-y today. Who gives a rip about your feelings? What, what do your feelings have to do with it? Do you always feel like getting out of bed and going to work? No. But you do it. What do your feelings have to do with anything? It's the truth that matters. And the truth is, if you want a paycheck, you got to get your butt out of bed. What do your feelings have to do with it? 1 John 1, 9. No matter if I feel like it or not, it says, if I've confessed my sins... He is faithful and just and has forgiven me of my sins and purified me from all unrighteousness. Well, I don't feel. Who cares how you feel? This is a matter of truth. And are you believing it or not? It's a matter of truth. Are you a believer who believes? The power of unbelief in your life is such that it can suck the Christianity right out of your life and suck the vitality right out of your life and suck the victory right out of your Christian life. Unbelief can. Lack of faith can. Lack of trust can. Romans 8.14 speaks to the, the marvelous truth that, that I'm a child of God. I understand the fact I'm a child of Clarence and Ann Atherton and the security and the inheritance that comes with that but Romans 8, 14 and following says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive has brought, uh, brought about by your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. We've been adopted. 
We've been adopted. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Well, Mark, everybody's God's children. No, that's not a biblical statement. Everybody's a child of God. That's not a biblical statement. You find that for me in the Word of God. You get adopted by faith in Jesus Christ. And then you're part of his family. And the Bible says you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, which means Jesus is your brother. Well, I don't feel like he's my brother. I don't care what you feel like. Charles Wesley wrote a song, And Can It Be? And he's got a verse in there, and he says, Bold I approach the eternal throne to claim the crown through Christ my own. Wow! He's either really, really arrogant or he's a believer. (laughs) Bold I approach the eternal throne. I don't know what the eternal throne will look like. Bold I approach the eternal throne to claim the crown through Christ. To claim the crown because I stopped smoking 20 years ago. To claim the crown because I don't watch pornography anymore. Claim the crown because I don't smoke and chew like and go with girls that do. No, to claim the crown through Christ. My own. Man, I'll change the way you live. That'll change the way you live. Are you a believing believer? It's marvelous for me to watch the way that people deal with death. And as a pastor, I obviously have done that now for several years. And how people deal with death and if they're talking about a death of a believer shows me a lot about if they themselves are a believing believer so because if my grandfather died and he's a believer and I'm a believing believer oh happy day oh yeah I'm sad I'm not going to see Papa anymore I get that but you know what I wouldn't want him back how dare I would want him back he'd be mad at me if I brought him back Oh, happy day. He has seen now the unclouded day. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian and you're afraid of death, I'm not sure you're a believing believer. I heard a bluegrass song the other day that says, when I, <laughs> I started crying in the car. When I wake to sleep no more. There's a day that I'm going to wake to sleep no more. The glories of heaven for us as believers allows us to deal with death. A friend of mine in Georgia died and I went to his, excuse me, his father died and I went to his father's funeral, which was in North Carolina, I think, and we were all sitting in the pews before the service and started. I noticed there wasn't a casket up here like there usually is. So about got time for 11 o'clock or whatever time for the service to start and the, the door swung open right there in the back like it was a wedding processional or something. And all the family members, 25 or 30, were following the casket in. They came in. Man, it was good. They came in singing, We're living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. 
And they all walk right down the hall following that casket. All the family members singing that song. That made an impression on a young Christian. Because if you're a believing believer, you deal with death differently. If it was a believer that died. Well, Mark, you're not much of a preacher if you just tell us to believe. How is it? Yes, Mark, I want to believe, but, but you know, YBH. Yes, but how? Yes, I get it, Mark. Amen. But how is it I do it? How do I get that card, that Christian identity card to the top of the deck? There's a story in Mark that I'm closing with. Mark chapter 9, verse 21. Uh, a, a boy's father bought, brought an epileptic, which we, they didn't know what epilepsy was back then. It, they, it's just seizures and convulsions. It could have been epilepsy. It could have been something else. But uh, the fa- a father brought this epileptic boy to Jesus. And Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And the father said, from childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, go back one, one, one slide there, Jennifer. It says, the Father says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And then Jesus replies, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help my unbelief. What's the YBH? What's the yes, but how? <laughs> it's, it's, it's God the Father who grants belief. And if you need more belief, if you need more faith, if you need, to trust, have, need more trust in your life, go to God the Father and say, God, I believe but there's pockets of unbelief in my life. Would you help me? Would you give me grace so that I can have faith? Would you give me grace so that I can believe? Oh, he'll honor that prayer. You're being honest. You're being real. And you're going to your Abba Father as an adopted son or daughter and saying, Father, I believe. But help in the areas I don't believe. I think he loves to answer that prayer. I, I, I'm a believer. I know I'm a believer, but God, I got these areas where I'm not a believer. Help me. Give me something that I don't have in and of myself because I can't grit my teeth and work my way into that belief. Would you grant me belief? Would you give me the faith to trust? I think he honors that prayer. I think he honors that prayer because the key to the Christian life is for you to be a believer who believes. Not being an unbelieving believer. What God says about us is the most precious thing about us and we need it at the top of the deck. We need it at the top of the deck. What God says about us. Not what the crowd says about us, and that's okay. Not what my family says about it, and that's okay. Not what my boss says about me, and that's okay. All those are okay. They're just not at the top of the deck. 
what God says needs to go to the top of the deck. And the only way that happens is if I'm a believer who believes. Our servers are coming to the table. Father, Father, you say that I'm a new creation in Christ. Father, you say that I am free from condemnation. Father, you say that I'm an adopted son of God. Father, you say that I'm salt of the, of the earth. Father, you say that I'm light of the world. Father, you say that I'm complete in you. Father, you say that I am forgiven. Father, you say that I am loved eternally. Father, you've said so many things about me. And I believe, Father, but help me in those areas that I don't believe. Help me, Father, to get what you say about me to the top of the deck. In Jesus' name, amen.